Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Blog Talk Radio. The opinions and views expressed by the host and guest are not necessarily the views and opinions of the Blake Radio Network. Broadcasting, broadcasting, broadcasting to the world, broadcasting to the world, to the world, to the world, spreading the news and information. BlakeRadio.com, music for your mind, body, and soul. Dr. Daniels, and welcome to Healing with Dr. Daniels, and it is 2017, and today's topic is predictions for 2017. Now, as many of you know, I do not make accusations, I only accept confessions, which means I am going to examine predictions for 2017 made by the industry itself and see if I can shed some light on what this might mean for people who do or do not interact with the healthcare industry. Well, first of all, to understand uh, what we're talking about, we have to get some kind of grip on what healthcare is. So first I'm going to tell you kind of a layperson's simplistic understanding of healthcare, which is my health understanding as well. Then the dictionary definition, and then what I actually found online. All right, so healthcare. You would think that healthcare is caring people providing services that improve the health of those who receive those services. This was my my kind of naive, simplistic view of healthcare. So I said, you know. Let me look and see what the dictionary says. So, thank God for the internet. We look for healthcare. It says the maintenance, that means to maintain, an improvement, that means to make better, of physical and mental health, especially through the provision of medical services. So, this is important to understand. There is no caring involved here at all. So, it is not in any way presumed that the individuals providing this service even care. Okay. So uh, that kind of got my attention, woke me up just a little bit. So there is no caring in healthcare. It is simply to maintain and or improve physical or mental health. So no spiritual health in there at all. So sorry for those of you with spiritual concerns. So we have a group of individuals who may or may not care probably don't care because that's not part of the definition here, who are doing something to maintain or improve the physical and mental health of other humans. All right, so that was a little disappointing, but then I said, aha, let me go and check out my favorite place, which is Medscape. Medscape sends information to doctors. And so uh, this is where... So I've got to go to Medscape, and I'm going to find out their predictions 
for 2017. And that'll be a great thing to share with my audience. Huh. Well, would you believe that Medscape did not make any predictions for 2017? I mean, none. So here we have this juggernaut of information for doctors on medical conditions and how to treat them and how to diagnose them and what's going on. They make no predictions whatever for 2017, nothing, except someone did make a prediction about ophthalmology compensation trends for 2017. Hardly an industry-wide prediction. All right. So then I said, you know what? I'm going to ask Dr. Google. Yes, Dr. Google. So I Google uh, 2017 healthcare predictions. I was <laughs> I was stunned. My jaw dropped open. Uh, these predictions were made by Forbes magazine, were made by uh, TechCrunch. Uh, you know, were made by anything uh, but providers of healthcare. Furthermore, the predictions had nothing to do, nothing to do with um, health advances, new things that were going to happen to improve health care, upcoming discoveries and breakthroughs on the horizon. I mean, you know, 2017, right? With all this technology and research, you'd expect, you know, a couple breakthroughs. Nope. Not so fast. Not at all. So what did we find? And this is just a, a, a sample of, uh, of what I thought, what I found. And I, I was really uh, concerned that there was nothing here about medical care, about procedures that might improve anyone's health. It was just like, oh, totally disregarded. So let's just see what the predictions pertain to. And I think this is the biggest indication of what lies ahead uh, for healthcare. One prediction is there'll be more practice. Well, first of all, let's consider the source. What is the source? The source here is healthcare technology trends. But uh, it doesn't matter. The other sources were similarly, as I would say, tangential when it came to um, patients in healthcare. Uh, so nobody predicted any breakthrough in the treatment of any disease. This is important, that there was not one single prediction of such a thing. Okay. And so this guy says, last year I made five predictions for healthcare, information technology, and in this, my final post, I'll review how my predictions turned out and update the outlook for 2017. And uh, as I write, President Obama has just signed into law the 21st Century Cures Act, a remarkable achievement coming out of a bipartisan effort that creates more money for cancer mono moonshoot and aims to reduce FDA regulations, among other things. In other words, more deadly drugs can be approved by the FDA faster and quicker. Okay, thank you for that. Healthcare information technology is likely to get a boost from the increased focus on data for research and outcomes. In other words, they're going to mine your data when you go to the doctor, and they're going to use this data mining uh, for research. What kind? We don't know, but we do know that it is not expected that any of this research will lead to a breakthrough in the treatment of any diseases. Okay. So interoperability will increase. You're probably wondering what interoperability is. <laughs> okay. So uh, electronic uh, health records and health information systems, each hospital or each corporation that has control over patient data was using 
unique formats so the data could not be shared with, say, a competitor. So in other words, if you're a patient, you walk into a hospital, you get care. Okay. Then you decide, hey, I'd like to get care at a competing hospital, maybe the next year. Your old records could be transferred, but probably could not be deciphered by the competing hospital. And so what they're saying here is formats are going to improve where these records can be read by people even if they are competitors. So during the year, we saw increased adoption of vendor-neutral standards developed by the HL7 organization as an alternative to proprietary, that means private, interfaces by leading, leading vendors of electronic health record systems. So the recent cooperation between these product projects aims to promote interoperability that will boost data sharing among providers. Now, providers, you think it's doctors. It's not doctors. Providers are people who control your medical information. So now we're going to have increased sharing among those providers. Notice we've not yet made any progress towards diagnosing or finding new therapies for diseases. All right. And so in 2017, it's going to say there'll be more progress. However, full interoperability, that means full uh, one format available to everyone is just not going to happen. Okay, got it. Healthcare consumerism, consumerism is on the rise. And so healthcare consumerism is on the rise. Digital transformation of healthcare is well underway, driven by the rise in healthcare consumerism. That means people making decisions about their care based on how they're treated and how much they pay. So the rising cost of healthcare, that means higher healthcare premiums, especially the double digit increases in exchange premiums, along with an increase in deductibles have made healthcare consumers much more discerning about the cost of healthcare. Which, of course, just makes absolutely no sense, right? So in other words, if a person's premium rates are rising and they don't have any choice over that rise in premium rates, how is it going to make them more discerning? So let's see if they can give us a few more clues. At the same time, hospitals and health plans alike, driven by need to improve their patient member engagement levels, have invested in technology enablement of the digital consumer experience. So consulting firm McKinsey, now uh, just to give you some background, McKinsey is a huge consulting firm. So back in the 80s, I became aware of them because I was, of course, a student at Wharton Business School. And it's like, wow, a job at McKinsey, wow. And so they um, basically consult with businesses and help them make more money. So the consulting firm predicts that in the near future, Healthcare consumers will look to a variety of providers for their medical needs and will create their own digital ecosystems to control where they access healthcare, who they access it from, and what price they pay. Now, again, this word providers, they are referring to large organizations um, such as uh, hospitals, uh, multi-specialty clinics like the Mayo Clinic. And so we're not talking about this doctor or that doctor. In 2017, we will continue to see rising healthcare consumerism and an aggressive push by healthcare enterprises towards digital transformation, driven primarily by a need to improve patient member experience. So we're going to improve the patient member experience, but we're not talking, we're not going to cure any diseases. We're not going to get better at diagnosis. We're just going to improve the experience. That means, you know, you know, do your research. Do patients like blue? Do they like green? Or is red or yellow a better color? And what size should the button be? And where on the page should it be? And what kind of questions do you ask? And how do you get people to feel like they're understood? So, again, this is a very uh, ominous sign if you're expecting the death toll of 880,000 Americans to decline because maybe healthcare will be safer. This, so far, uh, not a peep on that one. Big data analytics make way for cognitive computing and artificial intelligence. Okay, so let's 
do the English translation on a little bit of what's big data analytics. Well, big data means you count every single nose in the auditorium, so to speak, and each one is classified. So you have data about each and every individual, and certain patterns emerge, and you manage or make decisions or, more to the point, make profits based on those patterns that emerge. So they're saying, forget big data, uh-uh. Now what's going to happen is artificial intelligence. And for a patient, what this means is you, your provider, your healthcare provider may actually be a computer, not a person. And so here's what they say. I had predicted big data analytics would struggle to prove its value. In fact, it seems the term big data has fallen off a cliff this year as analytics become embedded in digital solutions and platforms. Now, this is important because big data might help you kind of predict something about a population. However, artificial intelligence means you can now have a computer follow the standard of care, standard that you create, might say you, I mean the manager of of a corporation, to maximize your profits. And so analytics became embedded in digital solution and platforms. Venture capital firm, that means these are people who invest uh, large sums of money to make even larger profits, which means, of course, less and less of the healthcare dollar goes for healthcare, right? Because what happens is uh, these people invest a dollar and they expect to get back, you know, 10 to $15. Doesn't leave a whole lot in the mix for um, services. Okay, so the venture capital firm their health media review of digital health funding indicates a lot of money for categories such as wearables and sensors, population health management, we read population management, and personal health tools, which are classified as consumerization apps. Though in reality, in all of these categories, analytics is integrated into the offerings. In other words, you might buy a wearable that's, that's can measure your blood pressure or your pulse or your respirations or your temperature, what's really going on is analytics are embedded in here. In other words, you're being, your information is being collected by someone other than you. So in reality, all these categories, analytics is integrated into the offerings. And so a powerful enterprise platform such as IBM's Watson Health made their mark in 2016, especially in applying cognitive, that means reasoning, computing, to large data sets in cancer and through strategic partnerships with Medtronic, Siemens, and others. So Medtronic and Siemens, for your information, create medical machines and medical instruments. Again, there is absolutely no evidence and not even any intention that any of this Cognitive computing and artificial intelligence is designed or focused on improving clinical outcomes. Okay. And so he says, in 2017, we're more likely to hear terms such as cognitive computing and artificial intelligence and less likely to hear the term big data analytics, which now seems to be limited, limiting its description of the actual work being done in advanced analytics. A related term that we hear more is the Internet of Things. <laughs> which refers to the ever-expanding ecosystem of data-collecting devices such as wearables and sensors. And so what they're talking about then is increased tracking, increase taking your data and using it to maximize profits. And in this case, clearly without regard as to your um, clinical well-being or not. Not that it's going to be harmful to your health, but it's just, your health is not a consideration here. What's a consideration is um, selling you wearables. Okay. Healthcare startups make nice with regulators in 2017. And so what this means then, basically, is that startups are going to possibly get the same VIP FDA treatment as existing pharmaceuticals. So let's see. I predicted that healthcare startups would run afoul of regulators and several healthcare apps will be shut down in 2016. That's what he predicted. And in 2016, indeed, Theranos, a lab test uh, startup, 
once valued at over $9 billion, virtually disappeared under FDA scrutiny, arising from whistleblower revelations. Zen Zenefits, another unicorn that was trying to disrupt the insurance brokerage business, is limping back to normalcy after violating insurance industry regulations. Fortunately, we've not seen any other big blow-ups this year from the startup world. And in 2017, this person predicts, healthcare startups are likely to tread very carefully when it comes to regulators. And um, this new um, burst of startups in healthcare and healthcare technology is similar to the burst of new startups in HMOs back in 1984. So, um, and or actually 83, 84, what they did was in order to accommodate HMOs, they actually loosened certain liability things and certain ways of evaluating situations and ways of assigning liability. And HMOs were allowed to do things that would represent severe conflict of interest that the individual doctor could not do. So a doctor could not open a pharmacy and insist that his patients all go to his pharmacy for their medications, but HMOs could. Okay, so the rise of non-chief information officer executives in technology decisions. And so he says, "Eh, not quite yet. So... Um, this is something, again, this is really an excellent parallel to the early 80s. What we saw in the early 80s was the rise of non-medical executives in um, in the hospitals and really throughout the country. And we actually saw in the 80s where doctors would have to hire non-medical executives and managers to run their practice to help them figure out how to navigate um, totally arbitrary and manufactured regulation, which of course was designed to create a job for these executives. And so now what they're saying is their chief information officers, people who are in charge of technology, you can look at them as specialists compared to doctors in uh, clinical areas, that they are going to be replaced by um, management types who are not technical experts. And so they're saying it's not happening yet, but uh, they're still expecting that it's, gonna, it's a transition that will take place. So I predicted that as digital transformation takes hold and more businesses turn into software-led enterprises, the chief information officer's influence would likely decline and non-chief information officer executives would play more prominent roles in technology decision-making in 2016. And uh, long story short, this did not happen. However, in 2017, so he says, the chief information officer will remain as important as before in deciding how to spend technology budgets. However, in certain areas like digital transformation, CMOs are increasingly likely to be in control. It would be chief medical officers. So what I would say, well, first of all, let's say, what does this mean for you, the patient? For you, the patient, this means, (laughs) they say, forget about it. Um, so this means more money being spent on technology, on information, on managing you, on tracking you, on extracting more money from you. Um, this does not indicate uh, more information being spent on making healthcare safer <clears throat> or more effective. And so you can expect then that less and less of your healthcare dollar, whether it's the dollar you spend for um, your insurance premiums, or even whether it's a dollar you spend uh, directly with a practitioner of any kind, actually ends up in that practitioner's pocket. So we can expect then uh, the relentless march of uh, technology and uh, information software into intruding into the practice of medicine so that data can be collected. Now, a lot of you say, well, well Dr. Daniels, how is my healthcare data being collected? What does that mean? Well, first of all, uh, the collection for healthcare data is something that can be shared with people who sell homes, with people who uh, sell furniture, people who sell insurance policies, all of them 
have an extreme interest in your health status. In other words, are you expecting a child? Well, that changes everything. Are, um, you know, is your health declining? Are you going to need to move, most likely, from your spacious home into a smaller um, accommodation because you're not able to get around as well? So all of these things concerning your medical information is of extreme importance to people who are marketing or trying to sell non-healthcare items. And whether or not they have this information, say, ahead of their competitors, can make a huge difference in terms of profit. And what's new in 2017? Here's where it gets very serious. Information technology security and data privacy. That means what happens in your doctor's office, does it stay in your doctor's office? And the answer is probably not. And so this is, this is what's happening. Record levels of data breaches in 2016. Healthcare experienced record levels of data breaches, rising incidents of ransomware, an increase in the targeting of HIPAA business associates. And the devices have, uh, communication devices have increased the vulnerability of the connected health ecosystem to cyber attacks and data breaches. And so your medical information, in other words, knowing your height, weight, birth date, employer, next of kin, work address, home address, what drugs you're taking, what pharmacy you, you use, a lot of information is in your medical records that if a person had it, they could impersonate you better than you could. And so this data is highly prized. And the fact that it is now in electronic format has created a whole new industry of data selling and data manipulation. Uh, you, you can even go so far as to say it's created a whole criminal enterprise. And so what we can expect in 2017 is even more of these. So let's see what else it says. Consumer data company Experian, like, whoa, <laughs> excuse me, Experian, those are the credit score people, aren't they? What are they doing in healthcare records? Shocking, isn't it? Shocking has predicted that healthcare will be a top target for cyber attacks in 2017, and more than 90% of healthcare industry lawyers predict that healthcare is at greater risk of data breaches than other sectors. Why? Because the data is so valuable. Can you imagine someone using your personal data literally unlocking all of your uh, bank accounts? Say you have corporations, uh, all of your assets, finding out where they are, how much they're worth, and then taking out loans, using those assets as collateral, that's a nightmare. That is a nightmare. But that is what can happen when someone has access to all of the data in your medical record. Now, the easiest way to solve this problem, I think, is not to create a medical record. That's, and when you think about it, Was the doctor visit really worth all that? Was it really worth having uh, all of your physical assets attached and spending uh, weeks, months, even years trying to get back what was rightly yours? So um, this is the gravity of what can happen. I mean, one way, of course, is not create a medical record. That's one. The next thing is not to create a truthful medical record. You know, use a you know, fake date of birth, fake name, uh, fake social security uh, number. When I was in medical practice back in the 90s and um, the computers came into the office, I'm like, whoa, these computers in my office that are keeping track of patients' billing information will never, ever be allowed to go online because I could see that that little wire coming into the office from the Internet, that was it. 
it could literally suck out all the data and harm, uh, you know, every one of my patients. And so we had a policy that the computer that housed patient data never, ever went online. That was it. That's all there was to it. So we had two other computers in the office that were allowed online in terms of finding stuff or whatever, getting information. But the computer that uh, was used for patient data, especially billing data, no, never allowed online. And so what is their prediction? Their prediction is healthcare will spend more on information technology security in 2017 than ever before. And chief information security officers will reign supreme. Now, the problem with this, of course, is that this is where your healthcare dollar is going. It's going to collect information on you that never should have been collected in the first place, put it in electronic format where it's available to data and identity thieves, and then spend more money to protect that data. All these maneuvers are totally unnecessary in terms of your health. And as I uh, mentioned once before on a prior program, say my experience down here in Panama, I, I told a friend, hey, you know, I got this bad tooth. I want to get this tooth pulled. She uh, called a dentist, got me an appointment, walked me down there. We kind of sign language our way through it, pulled my tooth, asked me for my, my $25, Maybe it was $35. I paid him. And he said, hey, by the way, what's your name? I said, my name is Jennifer. He said, pleased to meet you, Jennifer. So in other words, this dentist was able to do a very nice job for a very reasonable, affordable, out-of-pocket price without asking. He did not ask for my name. He did not ask for my phone number. He did not ask for my address. He didn't ask for my social security number. He didn't ask to see my passport, my driver's license, or any other kind of ID. So what I'd like to suggest to you is your medical experience, your medical visit, is not a healthcare visit. It's nothing to do with your health, and nobody cares. It's really a data mining experience. That's exactly what it is. It is simply an encounter with you to get you to reveal an incredible amount of data that can then be sold and used against you. And we see that this is exactly what is happening. All right. What else? So now we get to the meat of the issue. Now notice no one has made a single prediction about a healthcare breakthrough. No one has made a single prediction about a clinical discovery that's going to improve your health or health outcomes in 2017. This is what I found most shocking. I could not find a single prediction, a single healthcare prediction anywhere on the Internet that addressed the possibility of better healthcare outcomes for 2017. What this means is that no one is even thinking about it. Or as my grandmother would say, honey, they ain't studying you. They are not even studying or thinking about ways to reduce the 880,000 death toll each year of Americans die from health care. This is shocking considering the death toll. All right. What does the pace of health care merger and acquisition activity look like for 2017? And so we have Mark Plaster, a partner at a New York City-based investment banking firm, Carl Marks Advisors, he shares key healthcare merger and acquisition trends he witnessed this year and what he expects for next year. Okay, so hospital consolidation will continue. So hospital consolidation won't stop in 2017, Mr. Claster says. A number of factors such as increased focus on population health, arguments, disputes, to use the word disputes, between payers and providers and lower reimbursement will cause hospital consolidation to continue next year. And what this means then is your health care will become more uniform. And 
<laughs> you will be less able to exert any influence at the level of either your doctor or your hospital. Consolidation means larger and larger numbers are controlled by fewer and fewer numbers of people. So that means that healthcare will be delivered by large institutions. And so this means that the standard of care will likely become set in concrete or even stone. Okay. The idea of merging to fulfill the bigger is better notion is no longer the norm. If hospitals consider integration, they will approach the situation in terms of how much more leverage, uh, read money, a merger would provide in dealing with outside forces beyond the hospital or health systems control. So in other words, when they merge, they're going to merge with somebody that's owned by a politician or can help them get better political uh, treatment or help them negotiate better with insurance companies. And so again, we can see that uh, the care you do or don't get is simply not on the table. How fiercely the federal government pursues antitrust cases may change. And so now with President-elect Donald Trump, this is our first mention of a politician. In other words, it's interesting to understand that a lot of the trends in place have nothing to do with who is running the show. Interesting. But in this case, mergers and acquisitions um, or antitrust, they're saying that they expect the president-elect to uh, be less stringent on antitrust cases. So the Federal Trade Commission took action against several proposed hospital mergers in 2016 there are a number of major cases the courts have yet to make a decision on, including the proposed merger between Downers Grove, Illinois-based, and Evanston-based University Health Systems. In the insurance market, the courts have yet to issue a decision on the Anaheim Cigna and Aetna Humana merger deal. Ooh, that's a big one. <laughs> Though officials expect the courts to issue decisions before the end of the year. Now, this is important. So what this really comes down to is those of you who engage in health insurance, which I uh, don't recommend, are going to have fewer choices and you're going to experience um, much higher prices, basically monopoly pricing, uh, in your insurance and in your hospitals. So for 2017, my prediction is avoid the hospital and avoid insurance. Okay, and here is another uh, devastating blow. Other industry giants <clears throat> will continue to invest in healthcare initiatives. Non-traditional players in the industry are on the rise. The number of industry outsiders investing in healthcare-related pursuits will continue to increase as business outside the sector recognize the potential growth, read profit, opportunities, in healthcare-related endeavors. Mr. Claster cited Mattel, the toy company for children, their decision to develop health devices for babies and children as an example of a non-healthcare-related business entering the healthcare space. And so what we can uh, expect then is the standard of care being written by the marketing division of Mattel. This is very interesting. So we're going to have to uh, wait and see how that pans out. So what does all this mean? What all this means, in a nutshell, is healthcare is getting uh, less healthy and less caring and more expensive than ever. And it's even more important than ever to avoid it. People in the chat room are saying, doctor, doctor, what about tips on how to be healthy? You know, I wish I could tell you something new, but I'd be making it up. It's really, really straightforward. Very straightforward. Just like any pro basketball player would say, remember the basics. Remember the basics. What's the basics? Since about 75% of all illnesses due to dehydration, stay hydrated. Make sure you drink water. 
How much water? Probably more than you would than you would think. But about one quart per sixty pounds of body weight. That's a great place to start. But even more to the point, if you feel sick for any reason, drink water. That's the first move. That's what the doctor is going to do. When you go to the hospital and the ambulance picks you up, first thing they do is give you salt water. So if you're feeling lousy, guess what? Drink a quart of water with a teaspoon of salt in it. It just might turn you around and get rid of all your symptoms. So number one is hydration. That is the number one cause of any and all uh, disasters. Stroke, uh, hypertension, heart attacks, all of these things, arthritis even. Um, it's not a perfect world. Maybe you got parasites. Maybe you don't. But drinking water will minimize the impact. All right, so that's number one. What's the next thing you can do? Oh, what kind of water? Reverse osmosis or distilled water? I know, it's controversial. But guess what? I've been at this for, Jesus Christ, 30 years now. And it's, it's, it's what works. Distilled water, reverse osmosis. Yes, you do need to take trace minerals, but that's the basic water. Alkaline water, that, don't stake your fortune on it. Spring water, springs are all contaminated. Um, you know, you've got to you've got to purify your water, ultra purify it. Why? Once you distill your water, once you use reverse osmosis, the whole chlorine debate, the whole fluoride debate, all that becomes moot. All the other things the government may or may not want to put in the water, don't worry about it, it gets removed. So water is number one. Number two. Bowel movements, absolutely, absolutely, absolutely. And I will tell anyone, pooping once a day will get you average health. Just average health. 20% chance of cancer, 30% chance of heart uh, disease. Well, basically, land you in your doctor's office, taking at least one, if not more, medications. So pooping once a day is not a reasonable strategy for health. It certainly isn't a reasonable strategy for avoiding the medical industrial complex. It will land you right in their arms. So what do I say about bowel movements? If you're really hardcore, you don't want to let go of it, you want to hold on to it, I get it, I understand it. People have told me this before. So I say, go ahead and poop once a day as long as you're feeling fine. But if you're not feeling fine, guess what? Bump it up to three times a day. How do you do that? Well, let's go back to step one, drink water. Believe it or not, the water acts as lubricant, and that can get you more bowel movements. But let's say that doesn't work. Uh, there's always Vitality Capsules. Check it out, vitalitycapsules.com. In fact, when I was practicing medicine in the 90s, uh, I developed Vitality Capsules because I was helping people heal naturally. Things were going pretty well, you know, I was keeping the patients out of the hospital, they were feeling better. But my results just were not as good as I wanted to be. And I realized that people needed to have more bowel movements. And so I'd say, hey, you have to poop more. Finally, patient after patient said to me, Dr. Daniels, you make a capsule, don't help me poop, I'll take it. Until then, I'm not doing a thing. I said, oh, okay. So I did. I got to work, and I came up with vitality capsules. And sure enough, true to their word, people purchased the vitality capsules, and they pooped, and they were happy, I was happy, because they got healthier and they felt a lot better. So it makes a big, big difference, pooping three times a day. So you're drinking your water, you're pooping three times a day. But guess what? You can do better than that if you want to. But some people, once they drink the water and poop three times a day, guess what? They're cool. They feel great, and that's, that's all they need to do, and that's fine. But the next step, of course, is to get rid of all your processed food. It doesn't matter if it's organic or if it's not organic. The most important thing about food, I think, is it not be processed. That means you cannot put the preparation of your food, the cooking of your food, into enemy hands. You cannot put the preparation of your food into the hands of someone who doesn't even know you and doesn't even care about you. That's like seriously foolish. Um, 
So what do you do then? Answer is you buy whole unprocessed foods from the store, or even better yet, raising yourself, and prepare meals from at home from scratch. So you can't do that. No problem. I get it. Yes, it's okay. You can hire a chef. But if you hire a chef, you have to supervise them closely and make sure that you don't let them sneak out and buy their favorite sauce, secret sauce, because their processed secret sauce will most likely destroy your health. So any sauces or whatever that you feel you need, you should the first step is you can buy them organic with minimal number of ingredients. Second step is make them at home yourself. Personally, I make my own mustard at home. It takes about 20 minutes of my time, and I do it about twice a year. That's it. That's less time it takes to go to the store and buy a bottle of mustard. Less time it takes to throw a jar of mustard in the cart and check out at the checkout. So, buy whole unprocessed foods and cook them at home from scratch. You can almost just stop right there in terms of your health plan for 2017. Uh, But let's go further. So you're drinking your water, you're pooping three times a day, you're only eating food that you cook at home from scratch, or even better yet, that you grow yourself. And if you're eating meat, you've got to eat meat that's free of hormones, pesticides, artificial feed, and vaccination. Can't have any of that stuff in it. Uh, okay, so we got, got through with the food. And then finally, the capstone, everybody needs a parasite kill program. And as I have uh, traveled the world, not, I haven't been to every country, I've been to a few. Um, I'm really impressed at how many places have a standard once a month kill the parasite protocol. And the people who live in, in different countries, they have something they do every month to kill parasites. In the United States, this is totally, totally neglected. And I think this is a huge downfall in terms of disease. And the medical industrial complex has got all kinds of names for all kinds of diseases. And you can take all the diseases, every disease under the sun, and you can classify them. These are diseases of dehydration. These are diseases of constipation. These are diseases of malnutrition, which eating processed food deprives us nutrients. And these are diseases of parasites. And what the, what the medical industrial complex has done is taken these very simple categories, and slice them into slivers, into slivers, so as to make them unrecognizable, and thrown drugs at each and every one, and created citadels, monuments of specialization that address these uh, meaningless categories. And so that is what I think needs to be done for 2017. Now, another thing to be done for 2017 is I'm kicking off 2017 with a retreat here in Panama. Yep, in Panama. It's one week, and people are coming here and learning how to be the healers, healers in their own home, or this stuff is so good, it works so well, you can actually take this information and build for yourself a very nice, tidy, lucrative occupation in assisting your friends, neighbors, relatives, even strangers. And to find out more about that opportunity, you can contact Shali, S-H-A-L-E-E, at VitalityCapsules.com. That's Shali at vitalitycapsules.com and the subject line is you can say tell me more Panama and Shelly will get back to you uh, with a link to tell you more okay (laughs) okay so really I think those are the basics and just 
doing those things in 2017 will make it such an awesome year for your health. And definitely it's worth your while when you think about insurance premiums being anywhere from uh, $5,000 to even $25,000 a year and that there are more and more exceptions to the Obamacare program that all you really need is the courage and the skills and the confidence to just walk away, just walk away. And in Panama, I'm going to have you experience different healing diets, vegetarian, vegan, juice fast, a refeeding diet, and all the while explain to you what each diet is, how it heals, what it's useful for, as well as basic supplements, advanced supplements, herbs, and actually the healing properties of different foods and how to use them. So this is uh, what I think would be an awesome value. Obviously, it's not cheap, but worth every penny. Um, And just call Shelly, or email Shelly, Shelly at vitalitycapsules.com. It's S-H-A-L-E-E at vitalitycapsules.com. Okay, we are ready for questions. Let me go check here. We've got a few questions here on the line. Okay, let me click a button and see if I can get this right. Hi, you're on the air. Your name and your question? Okay, let's go to the chat room. Okay. <laughs> okay. Dr. Daniels, how can you get guaranteed pesticide-free, hormone-free meats from a restaurant? Actually, many restaurants, especially the higher-end, more expensive restaurants, will actually tell you. And um, many restaurants actually have um, it's the high-end restaurants. These are the ones that you, know, you get your $30 salad from. They actually buy organic ingredients. So you can ask. Okay. So, Dr. Dance, what do you think about wild game like deer, elk, buffalo, and so on? Um, I think that wild game is an excellent uh, source of meat that's free of chemicals. However, you have to be careful uh, with certain wild game, they have excessive protein. You can actually get protein poisoning. And so sometimes you have to um, have fat that you uh, mix in with the meat. So you just have to, that's the only uh, caveat uh, for that. Okay. <laughs> Dr. Daniels, family friend is suffering in pain, constipation and diarrhea, can barely eat, and still gaining weight. Diagnosis is colitis or Crohn's. And after a few hospital prescriptions, hospitalizations and prescriptions, surgery is an option. I know you do a show related to this topic. I would like to know if the mild vitality capsule would be okay for him to start using. Is there any other immediate action he can take? Um, this person definitely has a dietary problem. Um, uh, you, can just, you can definitely download the uh, Candida Cleaner at vitalitycapsules.com and follow that very simple diet. Um, and probably if he has constipation, uh, then the Vitality Capsules, the mild ones, would be very good. So you can go to vitalitycapsules.com, download the Candida Cleaner Report, and then you can click on I Have My Report, and then uh, get the Vitality Capsules. But he's got a serious uh, dietary problem. So he might need a discovery session. Okay. Hi, Dr. Daniels. My teenage daughter is getting her period every two weeks. Uh, 
Okay. Now, something is every two weeks. Why do you think it's the cause of it? Heavy meat intake generally causes periods every two weeks. She wonders if she should see an OBGYN. The answer is no. She says it's kind of itchy as well. Uh, so what's going on then is she is very toxic. Her liver is sluggish and toxins are being dumped in her blood and she's bleeding more often to dump these toxins. That's also why it's a little bit itchy. So she should detox is what she should do. Okay, that's that one. Okay. Mm. <laughs> okay. Dr. Daniels, thank you very much for recommending the bowel movements of three or more a day as well as the water. I do this and I really notice a difference. I also use water, salt, fresh garlic, and cayenne, a very cheap game plan. All right, wonderful. Dr. Daniels, is there a virus or bacteria that can cause a rapid pulse or high blood pressure spikes? Absolutely. Is it worth identifying? No. Uh, I would just say just take uh, turpentine. So you just go to vitalitycapsules.com, download your free report, the Candida Cleaner, and um, go for it. Also, you can uh, you know, get, uh, get a discovery session if you'd like personal guidance with that. Okay. <laughs> Dr. Daniels, if water goes through me every time, like within an hour of when I drink it, what can I do? That means that you have either not enough salt or not enough uh, animal products in your diet. So I would first try adding a little salt to the water, and that might solve the problem right there. Okay. <laughs> Dr. Daniels, could it be that the medical industrial complex feels they don't have to answer any questions or predictions for 2017 since they have so much power? Um, possibly, but I think more um, to the point is your health is absolutely not what they are concerned about. So they're not making any predictions about your health. They're not making any predictions about their effectiveness in healing you because they don't care. They're not trying to heal you. Dr. Daniels, do you think a dehumidifier and air ionizer at home are good for health? Air filters, um, it depends on your situation. What I have found um, for most homes is you can just take a look at, at your, your house and get and clean up your um, personal care products and your cleaning products and just do some basic, um, you know, home adjustment. So the air filters unless you're dealing with some kind of specialized situation, um, I haven't found them to be especially relevant. <laughs> Dr. Danos, could it be the medical industrial complex does not expect anyone to live to 218? Uh, it might be, but not everyone's going to encounter the medical industrial complex in 2017, so it would be tough to do everybody in. <laughs> what is your advice for us in regards to all these laws being passed to censor so much information uh, don't worry about it there's always a way to circumvent it so that would be that's what I would say about that alright that is it welcome 2017 I think it's going to be an exciting awesome year and uh, I think a lot of good things are going to happen not to worry just uh, don't put your head in the medical noose and as always, think happens. So we will see you next week. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. 
This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandsLots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.